0: Welcome to season four of the Navit podcast, all about money stories. We all have a unique relationship with money and an equally unique story about how that relationship made us who we are today. This season, we will be asking navigators in our community to share their tales. We hope these stories will help us all learn more about our common human experience and dig deeper into our own financial journeys. Feel free to join the conversation. If you have specific financial questions you would like people to answer, call us and leave a voicemail at 206 We will read your questions and have them answered on this season of the podcast. We look forward to hearing from you soon.
1: Today we have our Finney Award winner Dasha Kennedy, aka The Broke Black Girl with us And with her, she brings The glue to maintain cracks In the game she aimed to fix When she started the BBG Facebook group in 2017 With over a decade of Experience in default counseling And accounting, she helps women Be accountable for their financial Futures with real talk most aren't Used to. She rides for the Disenfranchised and puts the fire back in their eyes by addressing where the real issues lie <laughs> welcome daisha miss kennedy if you're budgeting tell our audience why you're also oh giving
0: welcome back to the navit podcast where we talk about money stories today we are so excited to welcome our finney award winner Daisha Kennedy from Broke Black Girl, who is our Amazing Finney Awards winner for her diversity, her incredible voice in the fintech and creator space, and really advocating to increase financial literacy for her audience. Daisha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited about today.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so am I, actually. i um, I've I've had a great opportunity to check out your website to go through your Instagram, which is both educational and hilarious at times. Um, yes. I love some of the videos on there. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, to see what what you're what you're about, you know.
0: Truly. Yeah. So so the Finney Awards, in in that process, we were really looking for diverse and quality financial creators um, on social media who encourage historically marginalized populations to discuss finances, enjoy money management, and grow their wealth. So Daisha, I mean, that just exemplifies you. You won and you there was a lot of great candidates. Yes. So we're so could you welcome and could you tell us just a little bit about your background and who you are? Yeah. So
2: I started well, Working in finance, when I was 19, I had no idea what my journey was going to turn into. I was young. I didn't know much about money, but I knew that I wanted to make it. That was like all yes. that I knew. And so I was offered right out of high school. I was offered the a full-time position at a retail store that I was working at. And so in my mind, all I'm hearing is, okay, I get to shift from part time to full-time, which means more money. Now, my mom, she had a completely different vision because I was like, Mom, look, I'm not going to college. I'm not pursuing any other education. Forever 21 is letting me jump from part-time to full-time. That's all that I want to do. And so my mom had a serious conversation with me, and she was like, look, if you don't want to go to college, you need to really consider what making money looks like as an adult and seeking out jobs that comes with benefits and things that you can Mm -hmm. actually use as you are getting older so she introduced me to the financial industry my first position was something very low level at the time i was stuffing envelopes for accountants i did that eight hours a day so i went from folding clothes to stuffing envelopes but while in this position i'm working around Accountants and people that have been in finance for decades, and they're saying words and using terms like 401k and paid time off things I had never heard before. <laughs> so, my mind now is just intrigued. And so, I, I heard one of my co workers say that they had been putting money into what I know now to be a 401k, and they were facing some type of financial hardship, they were going to pull the money out and use it and for me i'm like what is that like you can do that (laughs) Like, stuff like that exists so i went down a rabbit hole of just researching all of these terms that i would hear people around me using accountants talking about different things in personal finance and my mind was just intrigued so at 19 i was just consuming information Still was not using it because in my mind, I'm like, I'm making more money. I don't want to save money. I don't want to give my money up. You know, I want it all to (laughs) myself. But I was intrigued with what I was learning. So that kicked Mm. off my journey in finance. But I didn't start my personal finance journey until well into my late 20s, almost 30s.
1: Oh, wow. Yes. That's crazy. I'm very interested because... You spoke about how your mom is the one that said like, "Yo, you have to tighten up." Somewhere yes. along the lines, like, um, so growing up, like when you were younger, like, what would you say is like your first money memory? Like, did that come from your mom as well, or like, what what was happening there?
2: See, I didn't grow up in a household where my family discussed money. My parents were teenagers when I was born, so while my parents were learning about money and really growing and getting to know what finances meant for them, I was growing too. So by the time I was a teenager, I had already developed my own experience with money and my own thoughts about money. But what my mom knew was that you're getting older, you're probably not going to be able to work At Forever 21 forever So she knew to try to Get me into the workforce To where I can get introduced to benefits But I didn't grow up learning about Budgeting, debt management Negotiating, pay My first experience Mm, With money my dad had his own catering company when I was younger uh-huh. and he had a catering oh. job and he let me go and he let me work for him. So all day I'm like slanging dishes. I'm washing dishes. I'm helping him. I'm doing all of this work. And my dad paid me $50. So for <laughs> me, this was my first experience with money. I didn't know what it meant back then, but I just felt like, I did all of this work for, fee- I knew something did not right. feel right. Yeah, so that was my no. first experience with the money where <laughs> I felt like I'm trading my time, you know, yes. for, to work for someone else. And then I only got paid $50. Little did I know that was the experience with, with the workforce. <laughs> That's basically what it is. But that was my first experience with earning my own money. And having an idea that something did not feel right about how I was being paid, I didn't know mm. 10, 15 years from then I was going to embark on a journey of women in finance.
0: Mm. Yes. Incredible. It's So I can't wait to get there. But I think the first question... So from... Would that if that was your first money memory, did you, once you got into stuffing envelopes, did you talk to your family about, okay, how do I make this a career or is this something that I, you know, how do I increase my salary or was that a conversation you had or how did you kind of get to a point where you, wanted to, you had those conversations? Actually,
2: I was learning from the other women that I was working with. Now, at this time, yes. I'm 19, 20 years old. I'm the oldest sibling. So my mom, you know, she had my other siblings. So it wasn't it wasn't anything that i went back home and discussed i learned a lot through trial and error i learned a lot from what i was hearing other women i was working around say things that i was reading so i still didn't go back home and inquire about it because for me i i was ashamed in a way to not know a lot of the things that i was learning for the first for the first time to know yes yeah. yes in my mind i'm like okay I'm sitting around people and they're saying terms and I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had no idea what they were what they were talking about.
0: I love it. So what was the next step after stuffing envelopes? Oh yeah.
2: So this this is another reason why I think it's so it's so important to build a community around personal finance because there's always going to be someone who knows something that you don't know who have been through something and they can teach you so that you don't have to go down that route now while i was stuffing envelopes i worked across from a, a an accountant she was a woman she's been in, in accounting for a very long time and of course i'm always looking for ways to make more money so when overtime became an option I couldn't work overtime because it was like, okay, what, you, what do you need to work overtime for? You're just stuffing envelopes. Right. You can do this in one shift. So the woman who sat next to me, she presented like, well, I can teach her what I do and she can work overtime with me. She can pretty much help me. So what this turned oh, into wow. was her teaching me everything that she knew. So basically I'm working overtime, but I'm actually getting mentored. I'm shadowing mm. her work. And so yes. when a position came open she was able to say hey i think they should should apply and i applied right. and i got it and so that gave me my step into accounting so now i went from hearing all of these terms to now actually applying them in the work that i was doing so if it wasn't for someone being in my community teaching me something that that she knew i probably Because I didn't know how to advocate for myself in the workforce. I didn't know how to negotiate. I didn't know how to seek jobs that I felt like I could do, but maybe I'm not qualified for. If it wasn't for someone else stepping up and doing that for me, I don't think that I ever would have did that. Which is why me speaking up for other people is such a large part of my work. I love that. And I, I think it's... Very important that
1: you didn't become jaded by your experience like a lot of people do. Like they see other people around them making money and they're just like, oh, you know, I, I should be me. Yeah. And then they get to a position where they can make differences and they choose not to. So I think it's really dope that you decided to turn around and help those who needed to help instead of just like, nah, I'm out for myself. Yeah. Do you do you think that in this process you unlearned a lot of what you learned as a kid like you know you're working so closely with somebody who specializes in money um were there any particular tips or perspectives that you developed while she was mentoring you um, that you think you carry with yourself today
2: yes so one of the things that she that she really did teach me was that and, and I know a lot of people may struggle to see it this way but one of the things that she taught me was to only want more money is a, is an empty goal. Like my, I was always driven by, yes, overtime is open. I want to make more money. I can go from part time to full time. I want to make more money. That was all that I thought about when I was 19 and 20. So when I would talk to her and she would even ask me, you know, like, what are some of your financial goals? And I was like, I just want more money. And so she taught me, like, that's an empty goal because you're going to be driven by anything. You're you're going to be persuaded mm-hmm. by anything. And, and growing up as young as I was, as inexperienced as I was when it came to money, I didn't know the importance of having goals that was completely separate than just, I just want more money. I just want more money. So she right. taught me yes. how to actually set goals that aligned with where I wanted to be in the future. And when I started to look at money as a tool to get me to those places, I sort of viewing money very differently. So I didn't take on all of the extra overtime like I would have in the past because maybe the extra overtime didn't align with what I wanted to do. Yeah, it may have been more money, but did it really align with what I wanted to do in the future? So she helped me look at money from a completely different perspective
0: nice. She deserves a cake. Like she's amazing. (laughs) Yes,
2: I tell her that all the time.
0: She's amazing. Not only did she, you know, probably be, it was a huge influence on your life, but look at what you then have gone out and done for the world. Like it's the, it's so beautiful. I love it. So at the time, what, as, as you kind of, you were 19, so this probably evolved over a couple of years, but what were some of those goals that you identified at first? You have to start small, right? You can't, It's not like tomorrow you'll be a millionaire, right? Right. Did she help you kind of think through what those goals were and where did you start? Yeah,
2: so my goals changed very quickly because at 19, I was also pregnant with my first son. So in the beginning, of course, my goals was, oh, I want to travel. I want to go on vacation. I want to do all of these things that you would, a 19-year-old would want to do. And then they very quickly changed because now... I am responsible for a a whole other person. So it it made me look at at money as a way, as a tool that I can be able to create different things for my son. So he wouldn't have to experience some of the things that I experienced when I was a child. Remember my parents had me when they were young. Now here I am having a child young and there were some things that my parents, you know, they, they weren't really able to do. And it wasn't always like material things. It just, things that would have made it easier for us. So my goals now became how do I make life easier for me and my son? Does now saving money becomes important because I don't want us to come into a place where I'm unable to pay rent or I'm unable to hold down a car. Now, before all I cared about was making money. Now saving money is important. Now not having debt is important. So now my my goal shifted from wanting to spend, spend, spend. So now I have to make this money make sense for me, not only me, but for another child. Well, for a child.
0: Thanks for listening to the Navit podcast. Be sure to visit navitmoney.com slash podcasts to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover other incredible money stories. That's the beautiful arc of life, the things that happen. And once you have these core understanding of how money works or the confidence to be able to navigate it, you are able to shift directions uh, more, I think, more easily and probably more quickly when life happens. Because life happens, right? All these obstacles. Incredible. So, So when you started kind of going down that path of financial security for a family, did did you think about career or did you think about, like, how did you think about making money? And then, like, how did you get to now becoming a social media guru and talking about money. That must have been a pretty interesting arc. <laughs> yes, it,
2: it, it definitely was a huge shift because I will say this. Um, in between that time frame, I had another child. I got married. I got divorced. And those things, they scared me. So now mm-hmm. financial security for me meant I need to keep a job. So I stayed at at my job's because I felt secure there, so even though I felt that there were times that I should have been making more money, there were times that I should have gotten certain promotions that I did not get. I went into a place where, as long as I have a job, and, and in so many ways, I didn't. I didn't move. Right. But I went. I went through. Um. After my divorce, I really started to look at money differently because it was like, okay, yes, I have a job. Yes, I'm making income, but I'm still not in a position where I can save myself when life happens. Because I, once I got divorced and now I have two children, now a huge financial hardship has presented itself. Something that I, I did not prepare for. So it was like, I'm working in the finance industry. I'm consuming all of this financial advice. But when real life actually happened, mm. nothing that I learned at my nine to five prepared me mm for those things. Mm. And it it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm learning things in my job in my nine to five about personal finance. A lot of it is not aligning with what I'm actually am experiencing as a black woman Mm -hmm. navigating my personal finance. So there's a gap here that I feel like it's not, is not being covered. And so a, a lot of times I felt like I was being manipulated because it's like, okay, should I Is the things that I'm learning at my jobs is just surface level things. Am I just saying these things to do the bare minimum? Because now I need them. The same advice that I have been trying to give to other people, now I need it and it wasn't applying to me. So I started a Facebook group. And I just wanted to share what I had, my experience, share a lot of the things that I learned about personal finance, but things that I also experienced personally to see if there was a community of people who kind of understood what I was going through, experienced the same thing. But what I was not expecting was within a year, it was 60,000 women that was saying, Mm. yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm here. I want to learn from you. And it shifted. It was just that fast. It was just that fast and I'm still working. I'm still working in the finance industry, but now I'm doing work at a a different level because now I'm able to teach finance in a way that I'm not held to a script. Mm. Like when I'm working for a finance company, you have to say what they tell you to say and teach finance how they tell you to teach it. But for me, I'm like, as a black woman, I've been divorced. I have two children you have to give me personal finance advice a little different (laughs) because what you're giving, the majority isn't working for for me. And so I was able to do that on my own platform. So within um, eight months after I started the Facebook group, I made a choice and I quit. Mm, And I started doing the Broke Black Girl full time. Yo,
1: that I, I think the thing I love the most about all of this is that you recognize that difference, you know, we, we see it in medicine. We see it in mental health. You know, we need to recognize it in finance. Like we, we are all individual unique snowflakes and what's going to work for, you know, somebody up the block. Isn't going to work for me. Isn't going to work for, you know, even my girlfriend in the same house, like she might have different goals and different, um, you know, financial situations. So, it's, I'm glad that you recognize that. And I'm glad that you're spreading the information that it's different and it's okay to yes. be different. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Totally. Totally. I'm curious. Uh, I, I think there's really an interesting conversation to talk about. Could you give a couple details of things that just didn't work from your experience? Like, was it that they were saying, you know, save 20% of your income. And you were like, screw you. That's not possible. Yeah. Like, like what were some specific things that you felt like that brought you you such a huge community to, where people are like, yes, me too.
2: Yes. So one of the things that that really stood out to me was how I was being trained at my jobs in finance was to teach people the importance of being debt free. And that debt is like such a bad thing. You shouldn't have debt but then I'm like, okay, but you have black women that are being paid extremely less. Uh We in many cases have to leverage debt to make up the, the missing chunk of income mm. that we're missing from our employers. So if I'm not being paid enough, but I'm, I'm still responsible for the exact same amount of bills as everyone else, mm. where does that money come from? So now I'm either forced to work multiple jobs, so I'm out of the house, I'm away from my children, or I'm having to leverage debt to build. Income in some type of other ways for me, so that can't be bad for me because I need it now. Someone else who has access to extra capital or they are being paid more and they have extra income, yeah, they can skate by without ever having to use that. But for me, for most black women, that's not always the case, so it it put us in a situation where you're almost. Danged if you're due, danged if you don't. And so when I was hearing like, oh, teach people to be debt-free, don't use debt. Debt is bad. But well, then I'm saying, okay, but what about the people who need to leverage it because they're not making enough money? I can't yeah. tell them debt is bad because they need it. They need yeah. it. And the exact same thing when people will say, oh, well, live your stop living above your means. And it's like, oh, uh, you really can't tell that to someone who doesn't have the means. Like, you, right. I can't tell them yes. that. And so it was things like that that are traditionally left out of personal finance conversations. Right. So you have people who are doing everything that they think they should be doing. And then when they're constantly being met with, save your money, do this, do this, don't do that. And it's like, are you hearing what they are saying? Yes. And to me in my community, it created a, a an opportunity for people to feel seen, to feel heard, and to create conversations around personal finance experiences that they were actually happening, that they were actually having.
1: Now yes. when you when you made this shift and began to focus more on on black women in the black community and stuff like that, was it difficult to break them of that mindset, of the debt is bad mindset? Um was it difficult for you to kind of explain that to them and help them grow out of that
2: i think honestly it was difficult for for us all in the community at that time because we're going against what has been traditional right so so if we're going against what has been traditional it's hard when that's all you have ever heard and if you get on social media or you get online and you have almost Everyone saying the exact same thing, yeah. but then those people—they don't look like me. Mm-mm. They have—they—they they don't have to—they don't understand what it means to be not only a person of color but also a woman. I'm existing at a very unique intersection Absolutely. when it comes to money. Absolutely. So it, it, it was—it wasn't difficult, as much as I just had to be clear on that information may work for someone else. In most cases, it does not work for us. And that's okay. It's okay for us to find different routes to get to the same goal. Like we can still build wealth. We can get out of debt. We can increase our incomes, but we may have to go about it a different Different way.
0: way. Yes. I like, I just, it makes me want to cry. Like, (laughs) I can't even tell you how much I believe in peer education Yes, and like seeing someone like you navigating this system and talking about it and talking to your unique experience. Like it just opens up the world. And this is our first generation that can do that. Like you finally have a platform to talk Mm -hmm. to your sisters and to say, hey, maybe we can do this differently. Like. And it's okay. I think I'm curious about the emotional health. You know, I'm, I have a behavioral science background, so I always go to like the psychology side of it, but I'm wondering if you saw, as you started giving people a space, a safe space to say, you're not alone, you're, you know, you're not bad because you yes. can't do it the way they're telling you to, right? Did you see kind of a shift, like confidence levels growing or emotional like increases and pod, like, cause, cause there is a scarcity mindset when you're being told you're bad, you should do it one way. You can't do it that way. You just get in this like scarcity mindset of like, everything's hard. I'm not able to be like, I should yeah. be right. Which is such a false narrative. But I'm curious to like, that it's a support group as much as it is a financial yes. group, right? Yes, and I
2: think having that safe space, um, what we have created with the broke black girl, has been very beneficial, especially when we think of the emotional experience that is attached to money management or any personal finance experience. Having a group to go back to and say, "Okay, I, 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 think I, I think that I'm crazy, but tell me I'm not crazy," and then you have sixty thousand yeah. people that saying. No, you're not crazy. I experienced that same thing. For me, that was all I needed. Sometimes was for someone to say, "You are not crazy," because there were times where I felt like, "Am I making this up? You know, is it just me?" I know I I heard this person say what I think that I think they said, but in my mind, you know, it's so easy when you are navigating a space that only looks at money one way, especially in the personal finance industry. You will always almost convince yourself that you're. Making this up, but now you have sixty thousand women that are validating your experience and saying, like, no, you're not making it up. I experienced the same thing. So now you feel empowered to go forth and find new ways to get to that same goal. You just have to go about it a little differently. Now you have sixty thousand women that are championing you on. Yes, it does wonders to the emotional aspect that's connected to money management. Yeah,
0: awesome.
2: Whew.
1: Like, I feel better just hearing this, like just knowing it <laughs> yes. exists, because, you know, I think about all of the money rules that I heard growing up, you know, like you you don't talk about your paycheck. You don't ask, you know, coworkers what they make. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. don't don't let people know your business. You know, you keep that in the house. And not until I started having these conversations at 30 years old, you know, did I start finding out like, oh, it's kind of rough out there and it's not just me. And you know, like you said, that that really put the battery in my back to take time for myself to say no to going to the movies or going here, going there. Like, nah, I'm 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 gonna stay in, I'm gonna save my money. Mm-hmm. You know, I have things I'm working towards. And that's that's cool. You could do that. You don't always have to be outside. Um, the pandemic helped a lot. Um <laughs> But nah, I, I I really I'm interested, like, do you I know you talk about it a lot but do you always also advocate for people in your community to go out and kind of like spread that idea to others do you try to like spread the idea of Um, you know, having those conversations with your family, with your partners, with your kids, maybe? Oh,
2: yeah. See, one thing that I've learned is that there's so much power in transparency. So on my platform, I talk a lot about my personal finance experience coming from parents who were teenagers when I was born and my personal finance experience with divorce and having two children very young. And a lot of the things that I experienced with money early on that really shifted my personal finances was because conversations were not happening i tell people all the time that divorce is expensive conversations or cheaper had i probably initiated you know more conversations about money who knows what would have been the outcome of my of my marriage but i know for a fact we did not talk about that and it ultimately ended up being one of the things that led to us being divorced. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people a lot to initiate these conversations, especially women, because I want women to feel empowered and confident to lead these conversations. What we will traditionally see is that it's more acceptable for a man to initiate those conversations or take the lead in those conversations. So for me, I want women to feel empowered to doing it themselves, to initiating the conversations, having thoughts and ideas surrounded around money, sharing their experiences with with their family, even if it's not in their relationships, if it's it's with their parents, with their children, with their grandparents, we are all at different parts of our financial experience. So just sharing what you've learned and taking it back home. Yes, I I encourage that because it's so beneficial. And then with your family, you get to have raw honest conversations like when i was at work i felt like a lot of the conversation that i had to have was very watered down and it was traditional and i wanted so badly to just like say you know what let me can i tell you what i really want to say (laughs) about this situation and i couldn't do that so but with your family you get to have those raw authentic conversations Mm. with them and i even tell people I don't care if you have, if you're using the wrong words, if you're mispronouncing something, if you have to draw a picture, ask the question, have the conversation because we will figure it out.
0: Totally. And it just inspires the next generation too. Like your, you know, your kids, your sons are going to be even more confident with money as they, than we were, right. As we got in, I love it so much. Okay. So final question. Now, what is your money approach? Are you still goal oriented? You know, saver, thinker, like what? What do you? How do you feel like now? The evolution has brought you to.
2: (laughs) I want to say I. I think that my personal finance experience has come full circle. I still and I still am someone who believes that just the idea of having more money, more money, and being rich. I think that is you know it's an empty goat. Do I want to be fairly compensated for the work that I do? Absolutely. But for me, what I want is I want the freedom of my time. I want flexibility. I want to be able to say yes and no. I want agency over my life Mm. and I don't want it to be tied to a dollar. So for me, that comes with financial planning. I know if I am managing my money properly today, that gives me leverage to say no to something tomorrow in exchange of using my time however I want to use it. So it is came. it has come full circle. The very first thing that someone taught me was being rich is a it's a it's an empty goal if the ideal is just to be rich of course you're going to have things that you want to do with the money but the money is a means to an end. so now that I'm 34 I've had plenty of experiences with money. My views now has reverted right back to the first thing that someone told me when I was 19. So everything has come full beautiful? circle. So now I I I love my time more than anything and I use money as a way to buy my time back. Ooh.
0: Love. Yes. That's
2: a bar. That's a That's bar. It.
0: <laughs> Oh, well, Daisha, it's such a pleasure to hear your story. Thank you so much for telling it to us. We have one more segment and then we're going to go into let the wonderful audience know where to find you. But, uh, Kenneth, do you want to run the quick takes?
1: I do. I've been looking for this the entire time. (laughs) Okay. So we do like a little, you know, would you rather kind of deal. Okay. Um, so, you know, start off light. Okay. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Oh, that, yeah, that was quick.
2: quick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love Netflix. <laughs> okay, all
1: right. Okay, okay.
2: Um, dine in or eat out. Oh. Eat out, and this is going to sound so weird. I like to people watch. So I like to see what other people are eating. So it's going to be eat
0: out. Yes. <laughs> you like to see what, you don't like to just watch them interact. You like to see what they're eating. Yeah,
2: because I'm like, like, what made you buy that? Like, that's kind of like what I'm thinking. Like, what made you order that?
0: That's amazing. that's probably like rooted in your, your dad's catering business.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right, right? yes.
0: <laughs> I didn't even yes. think oh. of that, but I think that that's so
2: true.
1: Okay. Okay. Um. Okay, so I know that you're you're just recently came to Georgia, so mm-hmm. would do you prefer the Midwest or do you think you can see yourself being a southern girl
2: i uh, yeah if if anyone from St Louis is listening, I love St. Louis, but I think <laughs> I'm thinking I'm probably gonna stay south. I love the weather here i I love it I think mm. I'm probably gonna stay south,
1: yeah, so, um, I avoid snow is awesome. yes, like yes. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: feet of snow that you can't get rid of for five months. Of yes. Oh my. I, yeah.
2: We we've had that. We when when my family calls me and they're like, oh, it's it's snowing here. I'm like, uh, can't relate. Haven't seen it. <laughs> like I'm hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, terrible. Okay. All right. Here we go.
0: Okay. The big one. This is the, the big, big one. All right. Okay.
1: Would you rather have a million dollars or have $50 million, but a mime permanently follows you everywhere you go.
2: A mime?
1: Yeah. A mime. <laughs> no, the guys that don't Marcel talk. Marceau. Yeah,
2: exactly. Okay, re- re- read it to you <laughs> one more
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are these people saying? <laughs>
1: okay, okay. All right. So you can get a million dollars fresh and clean in your account. Okay. Or we could give you $50 million. But straight white face paint put you in an invisible box. Little French beret on, dude follows you everywhere you go.
2: See, initially, I want to take the fifty million because I, in my mind, I'm thinking maybe I could pay him to leave me alone. But it's like, that's the first thing that's coming to my mind. But if if paying him off is not an option, I have to take the million because. I want my peace, like I I want gotcha. my peace. So I would take the million because I would not be able to deal with that
0: This guy following you around. Yes. I, oh my goodness, I would money take the million. million, right? The million. Yeah, I would take the million.
2: million.
1: Yeah, yeah. You could you could always get back to fifty. Like you could work it out. I'm sure. Yeah, because
2: I, that I I don't want fifty million. Then I can't enjoy because he's everywhere I go. I love one of you to do it.
0: Over your shoulder. Oh. I love it. Oh, well, amazing. So, could you tell our wonderful audience uh, where they could find you and tell us what's happening? What's coming up in your life in the next couple months?
2: So, right now, I am really dialing back on projects because I am working on something major. So, I can't say it right now, really? but it's going to be taking a lot of my time. But of course, you can find me across all social media platforms at The Broke Black Girl. My website is TheBrokeBlackGirl.com. I will say this if you do go on my Instagram page, I have an amazing series that I did not too long ago, and it's called Bank on Black Women. And what I did was I showcased Black Women in Finance and Banking from the 1800s and 1900s. And I don't think that their stories are told enough, so I love to share their stories because they broke through a lot of banking and financial norms back then. So if you follow my Instagram page, please check out this series, hashtag Women. And that's that's me across all social media platforms at the Broke Black Girls. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Yes. And so and just one last question. Do you still run the Facebook group? Have have you migrated to other platforms? Yes. Yeah, so the
2: Facebook group is still there. So I have awesome. a team of moderators. So, thankfully, I have a team <laughs> of moderators because it has it's continued to grow. So it's still there, it's still open. Join.
0: We're still we're still there we're keeping it rolling. Have the conversations. Nice. Amazing. Yes. Well, Deisha, thank you so much for what you do in the world and for coming on the Navit podcast and telling us your money story. You have an incredible story and you're giving back to the world. I just, it's such, we're grateful to have you in our network. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Navit podcast where we share money stories. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and share this episode with your friends. See you on the next episode.